So today is Sunday, the 27th of September, 2020, and we have come together once again to practice, uh, to cultivate our minds, to sit meditation. So this uh, samadhi is the firm establishing of the mind, placing us on just one object. And if our minds are well established like this, then they'll have the energy to understand, to see that the mind is one thing and its objects are another thing. They are separate and just like oil and water separate out. And if the mind also has uh, peace, um, then we'll see clearly into whatever arises, whether there's memories or thoughts, proliferation that's going on. Um, we'll know that those are there in the mind and won't attach to them. We'll see thoughts as just arising, persisting for a time and then ceasing. They're just something that's natural. If greed, hatred or delusion comes up, we'll see it as just uh, an object of the mind and just that. It shows that we have mindfulness looking over our heart, taking care of it, uh, leading to the development of wisdom. Seeing all these things as just objects of the mind. They just come up for a moment. But if our minds don't have wisdom, if our samadhi isn't well established, then the heart will be engulfed in delusion. And any object that arises within us will go and attach to that as being a self, being me or mine, a being, a self or another. So sometimes uh, we find it very difficult to contemplate. And we don't want for these various emotions to come up, but our minds follow them anyway. So say if anger comes up, um, we don't want for it to be like that. We don't like it. Um, but the mind still just proliferates on that emotion. We reverse to it because we understand that there's self there. There's this proliferation. We take that as being a self. That there's me and mine within it. Because our minds always have this ego, this attachment to self as their basis. But if we contemplate the Dhamma, we'll see it as just a phenomena. There's no me, no other there. Whether any feelings come up, whether it's anger, love, hate, jealousy, it's just an emotion that's come up, just a phenomena in the heart. Or there may be skillful qualities in the heart, like faith, or effort, energy, samadhi, sati, or any of the seven factors uh, for awakening. These are all skillful qualities. The Eightfold Path, and the four foundations of mindfulness, the four bases for success, uh, the five faculties, the five powers, these are what we call the wings to awakening, that which leads us towards the Dhamma. These are all skillful qualities of the mind. Examples of unskillful qualities are the five hindrances. 
But really any quality, whether it's skillful or unskillful, is just a dhamma, just a phenomena. In the beginning, however, we understand it all as self. Whether it's good or bad, we take everything personally. But as we carry on practicing, we'll develop a clarity of insight. We can see the truth of these, that there is no me or mine within them. Our minds then change from what they were before. From having this self, uh, they see through that sense of self. They'll see into Nibbana. But initially, we do take things personally. We practice with the self. So we need to use that um, in our practice. Take the self to that I want to see the Dhamma. I want to see Nibbana. And we take the self to build goodness. But as we're building up goodness, we also need to be careful around that. And because there are also unwholesome qualities residing in the heart as well. So sometimes the mind thinks of good things and sometimes it's bad things. Um, but whatever comes up, we just attach to all of it as being my thoughts. If we don't like it, then the mind goes into vibhavadana, this not wanting to have or not wanting to be. And the mind carries on thinking this way. We don't like it. And sometimes it can uh, go on throughout the whole day and night. And our hearts fall into hell. And maybe there's an overwhelming feeling of jealousy that uh, stirs up our hearts. But if we come to train our minds, then slowly, little by little, they get better. And we're able to let go of our attachments. Whether the mind thinks of something good or bad, we just accept that that's what's happened and we can let go. So Lumpur Cha taught that the most important thing is letting go. At the beginning, we simply can't do that though. And it just takes time. So we see that um, it's natural for the mind at times to not have the quality of mudita, of this um, sympathetic joy. Sometimes there's loving kindness, sometimes compassion in the mind. Um, but it also, at sometimes it's not there and jealousy does arise. So Devadatta was very jealous of the Buddha and we can be jealous in the same way too. But what's important is that we know what's going on and we train the mind. When we do this, when we take up this training, then we'll know what's happening within our hearts. Know that they've gone into aversion or disliking. So whether there's bhavadanha or vipavadanha, and we know what's going on. When the mind thinks of something, sometimes it's not good. And we don't want it, we don't like it. We want for those thoughts to go away. Because we've attached to everything that we've thought, taking it as being my mind and my thoughts. When wisdom arises, then we know that it's just simply nature. Any good thoughts, any bad thoughts, they're not self. When we attach, there's no wisdom and the mind falls into hell. But don't worry, 
and just endure, bear with it, and carry on watching over the mind, following up on what it's doing. When it's proliferating, then what's it going and thinking about? Have this care over the heart. And when we are careful of our minds, even though we may not have samadhi, we do have forbearance within our precepts and morality. So we develop uh, this virtue. And as we carry on doing that, um, then we're more able to stay with our meditation object. We have sincere intent to do that as well. But having this sincerity doesn't mean that we stress ourselves out. It also means that we're not lax in our efforts. So we do sitting meditation, walking meditation, practice without stopping, do it continuously. And when we practice um, consistently, then joy will arise in the heart. There will be vitaka, vichara, piti, sukha, ekakada, the five factors of jhana. So this vitaka and vichara, it's not thought. When we lift up the breath as the object of our awareness, and we know the breath as it comes in and leaves, this is vitaka. And that consistent knowing of that object is vichara. From this, the mind becomes peaceful. It settles down and joy arises. And when the mind is fully imbued with this joy, then there'll be a happiness, the sukha coming up in the heart as well. And the heart will feel full. And before we may not know what the one-pointedness of mind is, of having the mind centered on a single object, but um, we use this piece um, and try and dig out the unskillful qualities that are deeply embedded in the heart. As we do this, um, oh sorry, at times we may be critical of our teacher and just this criticism, even though it may not be a lot, that can be enough to prevent samadhi from arising. And it may be possible that when we're sitting in meditation that a nimitta, an image, comes up of our teacher giving us instructions. We may then be able to accept, accept our teacher and allow the heart to settle into peace. And joy and happiness uh, arises in the mind uh, becomes one-pointed. So there's this piti, sukha, ekakada. All of our thoughts are kamma. Also our actions of body and speech, this is kamma as well. But if we have knowledge arising and we cultivate this knowledge, then we'll be able to abandon any unskillful states in the mind. Be able to train our minds well. So our work that we need to be intent in is this practice of meditation. We really try to cultivate that in this life that we have. It's important to raise up the level of our minds and to bring our minds to peace so that they gain the highest knowledge. At the very least, we should be able to destroy um, the most basic of the wrong views in the heart. These three lower fetters, 
things that have been encasing our hearts for a long time. It's the most difficult to destroy this, this first barrier because it's the thickest of them all. This uh, Sakaya Diti, uh, Silabata Barimasa, and um, so sorry, the attachments to uh, self-view, to righteous rituals and skeptical doubts. It takes a long time to destroy this. And we need to really throw our efforts um, at this practice, to practice without stop. And if we do that, then we'll just have to get results from it. Mindfulness will be firmly established, and both samadhi and wisdom will arise. So even though now we're close to the end of the Rains Retreat, we should carry on with our efforts. We practice just the same way that we had during this Rains Retreat. And for those who have the faith and have the opportunity to stay on as monks, then we carry on with this practice. But some of us need to return to the lay life. We have many duties that we need to fulfill. But even though uh, we may be living a lay life, we still need to put aside some time for inner cultivation. Because if we don't set aside that time, and during the course of one day we receive huge amounts of um, data, of sense objects, into the heart, and we take all of it personally. Nowadays there's a huge amount of news that um, we can watch and read about. If we don't have knowledge and we're not looking after our minds, then they can become so frantic uh, from receiving all of this information. Well, what's most important is to come back and look at ourselves, because the world is just the way the world is. People are born into this world and they have greed, hatred and delusion, so they squabble and fight with one another. And it was like this in the Buddha's time as well. These days, however, the greed, hatred and delusion in people's hearts is stronger than ever before. And people are thoroughly deluded. And they don't have much wisdom. And just following the ways of materialism. People can spend so much time on their cell phones, on their smartphones, engaging in communication and looking at uh, social media. And there's one story I'd like to share with you of a recluse, a rishi, who was in the forest. And he would go into jhana every day, and his mind would separate out from his body, and he would send his mind out to look all around the world. Not just around this world, but through all the different realms of existence. The only times that he wouldn't do this was when he was eating or taking care of personal affairs. Uh, but otherwise, he would separate off his mind and go traveling around. And he did this for a hundred years, but it wasn't enough to see everything. He sent his mind traveling around for that whole time um, and it went on without end. There's no end point to it. So for us, if we 
look at this news or social media every day, it'll just go on and on. There's no finish to it. So we need to come back and look at ourselves. We can look at this stuff some amount of the time, but when we're done, uh, we take our minds to watch ourselves, to get to know our own hearts. We study these hearts, we gain an understanding of what they're like. This knowing element, why is it deluded in this way? These four elements that have come together, the earth, the water, the fire, the air, that's come to make up this body, why do I take that as being a self? Why is there so much delusion here? Why do I go and attach to things so tightly? So there's a story of, there are two friends, and these two friends had developed the paramis, these spiritual virtues together for a long time. And then they both passed away and one got born in the heaven realms and one got born as a worm in a cesspit. So the one who was a deva, he was wondering where his friend went to and he went to find him and he found him there in the septic tank. He then described to his friend who was a, a maggot in this tank the joys of heaven and how much celestial delight there is. But his friend wouldn't go there, he wasn't interested. He said there's so much happiness here in the cesspit. When he wants to eat, there's all this food around. And he can rest and just eat and um, fill his stomach up. So our views are like this. If we don't see that there's something higher than what we're attached to, then we won't want to go there. That's just how things are. And everything follows causes and conditions. So therefore, we need to build the causes of goodness, of skillfulness within us, to abandon wrongdoing, to develop skillfulness, and to make the mind pure and bright. To come to look at the heart and make it empty, or see it as being empty. So there's a story from the Mahayana tradition there was one um, monk who compared the mind to being like a mirror. And when dust attaches to that mirror, then you take a cloth and wipe it clean. When he said this, his teacher knew that this monk was skilled in the practice, but he hadn't yet reached the Dhamma. Another monk, however, said that there's emptiness and there isn't anything there at all. And his teacher then knew he had reached the true Dhamma. So in the beginning, we have this mind and we use our samadhi to wipe it clean. Whenever any dust alights on the mind, then we contemplate to bring about brightness and clarity, seeing the mind as just a mind and not going and attaching to it. We then see emptiness in the mind and know that this is better. And when the mind is empty, there's no place for dust to fall onto. So when we have a mind, even though it may be bright, there's still a place that unskillful qualities can attach to. 
there's brightness, um, but we can attach to that brightness. However, we should just see that this brightness is just the mind. There's no self, there's no being there. And then we let go and we feel at ease. This body that we have attached to, we've clung onto for so long as being me and mine, that brings suffering in the world. When we act always for ourselves, it's important that we learn how to sacrifice as well. So the monks recently have been doing a lot of uh, sacrifice and it's been very good the way we've come together, doing the chanting, the meditation together, doing our chores, um, giving up. There's a lot of harmony in the community. And this brings about happiness within a monastery. But we also need to use our time here to meditate as well. If we do a lot or a little, that's not so important, um, but we try to do it. And we take our virtue as the foundation of our monastic lives and also have restraint and carefulness with all our actions. When we're on arms round, then we're careful as we go on arms round. When we receive food, um, we do that with gratitude acknowledging the great sacrifice and the faith of the lay people. If people offer us flowers in our bowls, then we should have gratitude for that and carefully take them out and place them in the basket. Doing this out of respect, doing it in a modest way, very carefully um, placing the offerings of the lay people. Because this all comes from the sacrifice um, of their hearts. And even though one flower may not have much monetary value, we still have great respect for it because it's an offering to the Buddha. So we're careful with it. We always try to keep our mindfulness and try to be modest. When we're walking or whether we're bowing, we're mindful of our activities. Everything we do, we keep our mindfulness. And our actions uh, display the state of our minds. They display what our um, characteristic and personality is like, whether our minds are in a subtle or coarse state. So for monks, when we are careful, um, then we, when we receive the... Um, we need to be careful because when we receive these requisites, there's something that's quite precious. And if we don't do it uh, with restraint and with modesty, then we can fall into wrongdoing and to evil ourselves and become in debt to the lay people. Because these requisites, they come from the hard work of the laity. So we take what we're given and we use that to cultivate our virtue, to cultivate samadhi, and little by little our practice will develop. And when we use any of the requisites, we reflect upon them so as not to become a debt to the lay people. When we uh, 
realize the path and the fruits, maga, bala, uh, then we know that uh, we're not in debt to the laity. Um, but still we have carefulness um, with all of the offerings that come from the faith of the lay people. These are offered so that the bodhisattva can last for a long time. So that the monks can practice and come to a clear understanding, seeing the body as just the body, just a collection of elements. There's no self, there's no me or other to it. And our hearts become empty little by little, something that we need to train ourselves and to do consistently. So may all of you uh, set your hearts on this way of practice, whether you're monastics or lay people. <laughs>